Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that reports the truth, no matter how hideous. I'm Kevin Barrett with Dr. J. Michael Springman, Juris Doctor, that is. Hey, how's, how's it going, Mike? Okay, pretty good. I have been doing some traveling, and I'm still trying to get sorted out from that, but I'm happy to be here and throw rocks at the Zionazis. Yeah, well, I guess we might as well start throwing those rocks. So let me see if I can pull up my share screen, get into our slideshow. And here's our slide of the week, the Al-Aqsa operation. And we'll get into the details of that in just a moment. Uh, I did like this sign. Israel, you took my land, destroyed my home, killed my innocent mother and baby sister, put the rest of us in open-air prison, starved us all, but I'm the terrorist because I fought back. Okay. And, of course, here are the terrorists killing babies. The baby-killing story is the big story of the week. We'll get into the hideous details of how the Western media is inciting genocide in Palestine with this completely ludicrous uh, urban myth. And, uh, of course, it turns out that, yeah, which babies are getting killed? They're actually putting... Palestinian children uh, who've been killed and injured by Israeli bombs and putting them in the newspapers saying that they are Israeli children. The shamelessness and chutzpah have reached an all-time record high, I think. Uh, and of course, people are dying in Gaza, but they're being killed in Israel, according to the BBC. So we'll get into all of that after we do our music video of the week. But, you know, before before we do the music video of the week, Mike, I think I have to do a special deal here so we can share the music of the music video, because otherwise, where is this? The, you have to go to the advanced sharing options. No, you have to go to the whatever, share the sound. And then uh, here we go with the music video of the week. Okay, there it is. Alice Cooper classic remade for the bio. I, I think that the panic aura of Alice Cooper is perfect for a Zionist baby killing anthem. Zionists, of course, are the baby killers, and they project that on their opposition. So shout out to Alice Cooper, the uh, satanic Zionist anthem maker. And a shout out to Ben Shapiro too, who craft his diapers. And there's his mom with the blue rubber gloves wrapping it up uh, for Ben. And Ben took a picture of his own excrement in the diaper that his mom was rolling up and then posted it on Twitter and said that it was a dead Israeli baby. So uh, that's, <laughs> Ben is setting new records for chutzpah uh, as well. Now, of course, the Palestinian children are being slaughtered and injured by the thousands. So far, there are well over 2,000 people dead, the majority of them women and children. But here's a survivor. And let's hope and pray that uh, he lives to liberate Palestine. Okay. Uh, and by the way, uh, I did have a radio show last night on the Western media's incitement to genocide. The entire Western media pretty much needs to all go to The Hague and be tried, convicted, sentenced, and executed for incitement to genocide. That's all they've been doing this week. So uh, there they are, mainstream media. And let's get to our PSAs real quick. Uh, this uh, public service announcement is brought to you on behalf of the Anti-Defamation League. Did you know that anti-Semitism levels are reaching dangerous lows? That's right. 
over time, anti-Semitism levels have gradually declined from the peak when the Jews were caught sacrificing Christian babies, and then the other smaller peak when the Talmud was finally translated into European languages, anti-Semitism levels have declined to such low levels that Goyish life has become essentially impossible in many parts of the world. The wet bulb Goy temperature has been exceeded in Hollywood uh, and parts of New York and certainly in occupied Palestine. And so if we want to get to the best of possible futures, as we see on the right side of the graph, what we need to do is raise the anti-Semitism levels so that the Anti-Defamation League can rake in trillions of dollars as opposed to mere hundreds of billions, tens of billions, or even just billions in the very worst case of anti-Semitism levels remaining as low as they are today. So please do your part to raise anti-Semitism levels by encouraging the Israelis to continue committing genocide in occupied Palestine and encouraging Jewish people all over the world to put up with it and support them. Thank you. This has been a message from the Anti-Defamation League. And uh, so here's Kat McGuire with her opinion of that. <laughs> Kat McGuire, uh, our false flag Willie Knows co-host Mike is here pictured in front of the United Nations in New York with the uh, pro-Palestine demonstration and she is making her feelings known. <laughs> so we're, we got a lot of PSAs today. We didn't raise any money. That's why I'm giving you lots and lots and lots of PSAs. We raised plenty of money for this show, but for next week, we don't have a penny yet. So as of this broadcasting, so please do help us out. Go to truthjihad.com, takes you to Iceland, click on False Flag Weekly News, and there you are at the False Flag Weekly News Show, which is where you watch the show probably, and just click on number one in our list of stories. That's the fundraiser, and there you are. Help us get above zero. Okay, uh, and finally, I was back on Press TV this week, and uh, you can catch all of that stuff at my website, truthjihad.com. Just click on the Press TV interviews link. All right, so big stories of the week. Mike, biggest story was the breakout of the world's biggest concentration camp, the Gaza Strip. And of course, the media lies about it. So I don't know. Uh, give, give us your, your couple of sentence summary of what actually happened on Friday. Was it October? No, Saturday, October 7th. Well, it's not rightly clear. I've read uh, your articles. I've read uh, Professor Tony Hall's articles, and I've looked at the uh, the news media, uh, including RT and Press TV. And I'm kind of caught between uh, the Zionist apartheid entity letting it happen so they would have an excuse to exterminate what's left of the, the Palestinians in occupied Palestine. Uh, I know that the uh, the Palestinians are tough as nails, uh, and uh, uh, they are uh, don't give up and they don't give in, and they're well organized. But so are the Izzies, and uh, the only way you can escape uh, them getting to hearing what you're saying over the phone or speaking out loud is to hide in a secure area and speak only to a couple of people. And uh, the Zio beasts are very good at bribing and proselytizing and promising all kinds of things. So uh, I'm inclined to think that while the, uh, the Hamas freedom fighters were well organized, had planned this all out and had a, a substantial amount of equipment that the Izzies didn't know they had, uh, I think that uh, there's enough evidence to uh, show that they did let them in. They pulled back uh, and uh, I, I think they wanted uh, surveillance was either turned off or ignored, and uh, they simply wanted them in to say, oh, the rampaging militants, fascist, hate-mongering uh, 
Arabs are trying to kill us all, so therefore we have to strike back and kill them all. Um, so essentially, that's my three cents worth. Okay, you're you're on the lihop side, and I would admit that's a possibility. I I don't think it's too likely, but I think it's. I mean, anything's possible, and we'll debate that later. We have a whole section of the show devoted to that question. Uh, the, the part of this that got me was this unprovoked attack stuff. I mean, ah. oh, come on, guys. I mean, you know, how stupid do they think we are? Uh, well, they've been but, provoking it since 1948. God. Yeah, it's like nonstop, uh, heroic. you like, slap, slap, unprovoked, slap, slap, unprovoked, slap, slap. Hey, come on, I'm not provoking you, slap, slap. Oh, man. And then... Uh, the New York Times, at least, is admitting that there's been this massive surge of support for Palestine all over the world. Millions of people were out in the streets yesterday, and we'll get into some of that later. Uh, but I, to me, that's one of the, among the many reasons that the strategic equation here doesn't really favor Israel uh, the way that, for instance, 9-11 uh, was not a real threat to the United States. There's no threat to the United States. 9-11 was just designed to create the false impression that there was in order to trick the U.S. into smashing Israel's enemies. Uh, but there really is a threat to Israel. Nobody, I mean, I'm one of the billion people in the region that will not rest until that Israel is gone. Right? And I mean, I'm just surrounded by people who say that this, this genocide has to end. And so it, pushing into a crisis like this, I don't think that's in their interest, but we'll we'll see. They're trying to blame Iran. Yeah. <laughs> the Wall Street Journal claimed uh, immediately after there was all of this orchestrated propaganda that did look like it might have been prearranged. That's evidence for your your uh, your lie-hop theory, Mike. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the concert goer massacre. Though, if there was a massacre, it was uh, you know an Israeli death squad that killed those people. It wasn't it wasn't. Hamas. Hamas did not massacre people at that concert. Uh, I'm not even sure that any people died there, but if they did, it was the Israelis that killed them, Not, and it's certainly not Hamas. And if the Israelis killed people at that concert, that means that they knew it was coming, and that means that you're right, Mike. So there was all, all there were things like that that made it look like maybe they were ready for it. And one of them was this Wall Street Journal article, ready to go, cranked out like within about 10 minutes after the uh, beginnings of Alexa Storm. Uh, blaming Iran uh, with zero evidence. You read the article; there's not not even a you know a coherent oh. argument. And then, of course, it quickly got refuted, even by the New York Times. So, so Mike, do you think that the the Wall Street Journal jumping on this and blaming Iran, trying to uh, re, you know get get the U.S. teed off against Iran, so that you know Netanyahu can try to say, look, if if Iran, if you if you you and your people help uh, Hamas here, that we have the U.S you know, we'll, we'll bring them in to beat up on you. I mean, that looks all kind of prearranged, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, look at the Wall Street Journal. Uh, its journalist in Russia was spying on uh, military facilities east of the Urals. Uh, so this is just more of the same. And they, they want to create the idea that Iran is just as much a danger to the security of the world as Hamas or uh, Hezbollah or uh, any other freedom-fighting organization is. And yep. when I tell them that we were there in Iran in February and we were not scared, we were not terrified, we were treated remarkably well, better than we're treated in the United States, people are just thunderstruck. And they're, they're convinced that Iran has atomic bombs under every bed in the country, and they're itching to use them as soon as they possibly can. Yeah, and of course, that's all from the Zionist contingent, because Iran really does pose a threat to the ongoing genocide of Palestine. 
But here, at least the New York Times is debunking the Wall Street Journal. Uh, New York Times coverage has been somewhat less insane than uh, many of the other uh, rags, although it's been pretty bad. Uh, likewise with the Washington Post. Let's look at the atrocities. Okay, so there's a war. In war, there are going to be atrocities. What's the story of the atrocities? Well, one of the things we know is that Israel is mowing down journalists by, you know, like a dozen uh, already uh, to make sure that the truth never gets reported. And they just killed, they just targeted a whole uh, vehicle full of journalists over uh, across the Lebanon border, an act of war, of course, against uh, Lebanon. And uh, here's a, just a list of the people who've already been killed. Uh, these, all of these people are killed to make sure that they don't report what they see. What is Israel doing that they don't want us to see? Was it really an Israeli death squad that killed people at that concert? Uh, if, if anybody died there, uh, probably so, or very many people died. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, just mowing down journalists wholesale is what Israel does. Uh, so, I mean, that's a true atrocity. Uh, and then just before this broadcast time, we learned that Israeli uh, airstrikes hit three convoys of evacuees trying to flee northern Gaza, as they'd been ordered to do by the Israelis themselves. So they ordered them to flee, and then they, they bombed them. And all of the bombing of Gaza, which has killed well over 2,000 by now, uh, the vast majority women and children, and almost all civilians, because God, the Hamas is down in tunnels, they can't get bombed. It's all just deliberate murder of civilians. It has zero military uh, purpose whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, there are real atrocities going on. And of course, the murder of Shireen Abu Akla a while back uh, said, uh, was just one in this, this process of many dozens of journalists being killed by Israel so they can try to stop the truth from being reported over there. Uh, and then there's the white phosphorus as well. They're dumping white phosphorus on civilians, which, of course, is a, a serious war crime. Uh, white phosphorus is outlawed uh, under all <laughs> international uh, treaties. Um, and so if you want to go to debunking of this, Press TV published a good one recently right here. And uh, pointing out that this music, there's not a shred of evidence that there was a deliberate massacre of people at that music festival, not not one shred. And even the head camera footage from a, uh, a killed Hamas fighter that showed the whole thing showed that they didn't kill anybody. They just took took hostages. All they were trying to do was take hostages. They probably fired some shots. They're going to take hostages. Maybe somebody got hurt. But if like there were 100 plus people killed, it was the Zionists that killed them after Hamas was gone. So uh, that that's... Uh, we might as well stop with at that list of atrocities uh, before we move on to more. Uh, what's your take, Mike? Well, my take is that uh, the uh, the Israelis have been doing this for years. Uh, besides Shirin Abu Akla, uh, they murdered uh, the uh, Turkish American uh, Furkan Dorgan uh, in the Mavi Marmara attack in the, what was it, uh, 2010 or so. Uh, they uh, murdered uh, Rachel Corey in 2003 by driving a bulldozer over her twice. Uh, they put uh, Ed Peck, the former American ambassador to Iraq and a couple of other countries, uh, in an Israeli jail because he was riding on one of these uh, flotilla convoys trying to uh, break the Israeli blockade of, of Gaza and, and occupied Palestine. So I, I think that it's a, a continuing thing, and the Israelis won't give up until we turn their money off. And if we did that, they disappear overnight and we'd be going by nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, that sounds but like a plan. <laughs> how, how can we get to that money spigot to turn it off? Uh, well, this propaganda apparatus, you know, went into overdrive. And again, if you were suspicious, you might think, wow, they sure were ready to flood the entire Western media with uh, BS stories of sure. atrocities. 
And that almost would suggest that maybe there's a lie hop, let it happen on purpose aspect to this. Although, again, I don't think so. We'll talk about why later. We can argue about that in a little bit. Um, but here's the New York Times once again pointing out that there are vast numbers of false claims around the Israeli attacks, and they're virtually all uh, Zionist propaganda claims, which turned out to be false. And the leading one, of course, is the dead babies claim that Alice Cooper sang about earlier in the show. That's a tried and true war propaganda motif. World War One. it was the, the Huns uh, bayoneting the babies in Belgium. And of course, then we had the baby incubator incident that torched, touched off the U.S. invasion of uh, Iraq, you know, occupied Iraq, namely Kuwait, in Gulf War One, and uh, on and on and on. So here, here's uh, Ben Shapiro with his crapping his diaper and taking a picture of his mom rolling it up and then calling it a dead Israeli baby. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, Biden went along with this, though. Maybe Ben Shapiro got his, <laughs> his diaper to, to Joe Biden, who, uh, who should have slapped a diaper over his mouth. Uh, yeah, fact, yeah, exactly. Are you sure that Ben isn't just full of it? Um, <laughs> he was full of it before before he uh, he unloaded on that diaper. But yeah, yeah, Biden definitely needs a face diaper too. Uh, uh, of course, he he I was mean, wearing one for two years during COVID, yeah. so maybe we should put this is back. all artificial intelligence, as I read it. That they they created this thing out of nothing, out of electrons, uh, and has no approach or connection to reality. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, look at that. I mean, is, is that a dead Israeli baby or is that a turd? I mean, it's obviously a turd. <laughs> uh, and here, and here's Biden uh, just buying into it instantly. Like, wh where does this come from? The president of the United States is repeating the most insane genocidal propaganda lie that could ever be dreamed up. Uh, it boggles the mind. I'm glad I'm out of that godforsaken country that you're stuck in, Mike. Well, you've got the senile doter on one side, and then uh, isn't that Chuckle Schumer, the, uh, the Israeli agent in the Senate? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's Chucky. Yep. The horror movie Chucky. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and, I mean, this did get pretty much debunked in, in real time, uh, but not before it had just been blitzed over the entire Western media. Babies beheaded by Hamas. This is this is so insane and, and sick. You know, the reality is that Hamas, uh, for the most part, with some exceptions historically, uh, has followed vastly better military ethics than Israel has. That's no question about that. And if, if anybody wants to debate that, contact me and I'll be happy to uh, to debate you. I mean, I'm, I know the facts and I can handle you on that one. Uh, but still, you know, they hired Alice Cooper's PR agency and the Dead Baby song went everywhere and it became a number one hit. And anybody who doubts it is an evil anti-Semite, of course. Uh, the, this is the the bit. I mean, the the, the Israeli lady who uh, mm. who spread this, and she got it uh, from. And it, it after she had zero evidence for it whatsoever. She heard it from this war criminal. There's a crazed Israeli war criminal who's been involved with slaughtering uh, Palestinians, you know, organizing settler brigades to attack Palestinians and ethnically cleanse. Parts of it that even you know the Israelis admit is Palestine. So this lunatic extremist guy, one guy told her that there were like 40 babies have been beheaded, and she mm -hmm. went ahead and reported it, and it made it all the way up to Biden. And then she said, and, "You're anti-Semitic to doubt it." Now here's the guy. And she the took no pictures. Yeah, yeah, she she yeah, she took no pictures, collected no evidence, nobody did. And here's the guy who gave her the story, and he's grinning ear to ear as he gives her the story because. You can, you know, what he's thinking. You know, how dumb can the Goyim be to believe all this garbage that we come up with? He's just, he loves Very it. Very dumb. Yeah. 
I got off the airplane a couple of days ago and switched on the radio, and all I heard was uh, the evil, vicious, uh, hate-mongering, murdering, savage uh, Hamas Palestinians uh, are destroying the only uh, uh, democracy in the Middle East. And uh, well, that's good that news if they're really destroying it. I, I hope I hope to hear that news. <laughs> But, but yeah, this guy, I mean, look at that. Look, look at that grin. Hey, dead babies, man. Dead Israeli babies, 40 dead Israeli babies. Big smile. Big smile. Oh, man. He's probably wearing one of those T-shirts that, that has two with one shot where they, they're shooting a, a, a pregnant woman in the target sites of a telescopic uh, site. Exactly. I mean, see, these people know they're dead babies because they, they're the ones butchering the babies. Mm. And, and they're, they're shameless about it. And they can't believe, I mean, and they're just laughing at, at the world for being such dumb goyim cattle to believe this BS. Well, Hamas is, is attacking the uh, the military in Israel, uh, the, the apartheid entity, and they're attacking the colonial uh, settlements that have, uh, are uh, uh, used to attack the, the Palestinians in the dead of night by running out with rifles and whatever and destroying their houses and their property. Uh, but we don't hear about that. No, I mean this this guy David Ben Zion. Uh, he, he's a pussy. I mean, he's he, you know these Israelis are all pussies. They'll they'll drop bombs on innocent civilians, women, and children from a safe distance in the air when they've got air superiority. That's about all they can do. Or they'll shoot little Palestinian kids for sport, as Chris Hedges wrote about. Uh, they'll shoot them down for sport from a safe distance because they're so afraid that those little kids, those those eight year olds, might get close enough to throw a rock. These people are are freaking pussies. And so David Ben Zion, you pussy, come up here, come, come, in, come, come to Sadia, Morocco, and come and uh, introduce yourself to me, and I'll kick your ass, you <laughs> freak. Uh, so moving on to the uh, debunkings of this, Crescent National had a good one. Uh, Crescent National is the most important Israeli, uh, not Israeli, anti-Israeli uh, Muslim public affairs uh, monthly, and I look forward to the next issue. That's going to be a go-to one for understanding what's really happening over there in Palestine. And uh, meanwhile, act of war bombing the Damascus airport. You know, Syria, Lebanon, they both have already been attacked by Israel. They have every right to go to all-out war with Israel, as does every country in the region that supports them. So we'll see where that goes. But I don't think the strategic equation is any good for the Zionists this time. This might even be the end of the genocidal entity squatting in occupied Palestine, uh, God willing. And if you want to know, you know, who did this, right? I mean, there's all this nonsense in the alternative media about, uh, oh, the Hamas was created by Israel. They're just an Israeli cat's paw. Well, actually, yeah, when when they, Sheikh Yassin uh, created Hamas, he, he'd been in an Israeli prison. They let him out and he created Hamas as a resistance organization. The Israelis, uh, those geniuses, said, hey, let's fund this guy and build up a uh, Islamic resistance front that will be, you know, totally neutered and it won't really get anywhere and, and they will fight, you know, they'll be always fighting against the PLO and they'll they'll screw up the PLO because at that time the PLO was the big threat. So the Israelis did actually nurture Hamas at a very early stage, but it wasn't very long before that they regretted that they had done so. Same with Hezbollah. They killed the earlier uh, leader of Hezbollah, and then they got an even more competent adversary. Uh, so anyway, if you listen to what uh, this uh, gentleman says, he explained that this was done as the opening salvo of an Islamic holy war in which I will be happy to participate to liberate the Al-Aqsa Mosque, at least protect it from these lunatic 
millenarian messianic Zionist Satanists who want to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque and put up a blood sacrifice temple where they can start butchering pig heifers and probably Christian children as well. Although they, they probably won't put that on TV, but maybe Ben Shapiro will go there and like, you know, try, <laughs> I, I won't, I won't go there. Anyway, so if you listen to what Hamas says, they had every reason to do this. And yeah. Their morale is very high, and it was a super successful operation. They got lots of Israeli officers. So this obviously is not some kind of manufactured thing like 9-11. 9-11, there's no real al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is a joke. There's there's no such thing as any independent al-Qaeda, and there never has been. Uh, but America. there is such a thing as Hamas. So-called al-Qaeda has never had any significant support from Muslims around the world. Uh, the, high, the highest they could ever get it in any poll was about 15%. And I mean, you can get pretty much the shaitan al-Dabilah getting 15% in a poll because people just say whatever. Uh, so Al-Qaeda has zero support among Muslims. Hamas has... Well, isn't the, um, the Al-Aqsa Mosque one of the third holiest sites in Islam? It's the uh, in the, uh, the Haram al-Sharif, the noble sanctuary, on top of what the Jews believe is their temple, but was really Herod's palace. And uh, it's the point from which the uh, the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam ascended into heaven for a short period. Yes, it's 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 the Islamic world's greatest and oldest architectural monument. Some people say, well, what about Mecca? Uh, yeah, the two Haramain in Mecca are focuses of Muslim worship. But you can't really call those architectural monuments in the way that Al-Aqsa is, like along with the Taj Mahal and the mosque in Cordoba and things like that. These are architectural monuments. And by far the oldest, greatest, and most important one is the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the place, as you say, Mike, where the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, rose uh, through the heavens, meeting the earlier prophets and coming into the presence of God. So this is the supreme embodiment of Islamic spirituality, that story of the Israel Miraj. And all Muslims, especially those of us with a you know, kind of spiritual bent, uh, have this as, as kind of our central thing about Islam. And then also that fact that uh, the Prophet rose through uh, these different uh, spheres or levels of reality and met the earlier prophets, especially Moses and Jesus, is symbolic of Islam's monotheistic ecumenicism. That is, we Muslims, we don't really see ourselves as different from Christians and Jews. We see ourselves as the people of one God who have the story straight, <laughs> who've gotten it straight. We we feel that the you know the people people who call themselves Jews and Christians with this wide variety of diverse approaches and beliefs and rituals and so on that all of these different people have that they've gotten a lot right, but also a lot of things wrong. And we believe that the Islamic revelation clears up all of those problems. And so we are. Christians, we are Jews, you know, we are Muslims, we're sort of the, uh, you know, we're just the one, the monotheist who who got it right. And so Alexa really symbolizes that. And, and, and we protect the other ones, we protect the ones who get it wrong, too. And that's, we're enjoined to protect the world's Christians by the covenants of the Prophet Muhammad. And, and they're really, you know, our monotheistic brothers, as are Jews as well. So that that's, that's what we're protecting when we protect Alexa. And then we ask, well, so so what really happened there? And here, a South Front article makes a great point that there were you know, numerous liquidations and captures of senior commanders and specialists from the IDF and the seizure infiltration of the Israeli command post. Uh, two generals died, uh, five colonels. Uh, there's at least, uh, there are four generals apparently captured 
And so this was a huge military victory. And Hamas went after the Israeli military. They did not go after civilians. There may have been some, some civilians who died, but that was not the purpose of this operation. The purpose was to attack the Israeli military and, to, and take prisoners or hostages. And those hostages include settlers. Now, settlers are fair game under international law. This is an occupation. If you're somebody who settles on somebody else's land, you are a hostile soldier and you can be targeted. Uh, but there's no evidence that Hamas deliberately tried to kill settlers. They captured settlers as prisoners and hostages, as well they should. So that's what happened here. Let's, you know, we need to get that straight. And I appreciate that South Front did in this article. Yeah, I like that. I think it pretty laid it out in, in, in just a few words. And of course, that's not the story that we're seeing in the Western media. Now, the yeah. other aspect of, of the South Front story here is it, it shows why strategically this Hamas uh, successful raid on Israel is not the suicidal kind of false flag that some people are trying to portray it. Uh, this fight that's only beginning now in Gaza, it's it's far from obvious that Israel is going to win it. They've lost in this situation every time pretty much they've, they've fought in one. And the, you know, the Hamas has had plenty of time to prepare uh, if things start to go badly for Gaza. I guarantee you that Hezbollah and, if necessary, Iran will bring down as much missile power on <laughs> occupied Palestine uh, as they need to make it stop. And, and Iran is willing to lose cities to do that if they have to. And is, they will erase Israel from the map if they have to. If Israel takes it to that nuclear level, they will erase Israel from the map. And they can. They already can. And there are more than a billion people in this region who are totally ready to participate in that and willing to put our lives down for it. So, so strategically, they have gotten themselves into a terrible fix. Yeah. And they showed the complete failure of their intelligence and their command and communications. Uh, this is not good for them. Uh, South Front got that right. And a lot of the alternative media is getting that wrong. Uh, the mainstream media is getting it moderately right. Ronan Bergman here, the author of Rise and Kill First, which is about how the Zionists just love to slaughter people. They're the world's worst assassins. They send assassins after everybody they don't like all over the world. Better look out my window right now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think Ronan Bergman, you know, he, he puts out a fair bit of accurate information despite, despite being a stenographer for the IDF. Uh, so, so what do you think, Mike? Of all of these descriptions of what happened, uh, do you agree or find Bergman and South Front being accurate or not? I find it more accurate. I mean, uh, the uh, what I've seen so far in other sources has been that the uh, Hamas people are targeting Israeli military and targeting the uh, the colonial settlements, and it's the Israelis who are attacking and murdering and killing and and uh, wounding the civilians in uh, in, in Gaza. And uh, the Washington Post has a big headline this morning uh, that Israel told one million uh, Palestinians in Gaza to. Uh, leave because they were going to attack i mean that, that's barbaric where are they going to go to egypt egypt doesn't want any of them i've seen an article that says these the egyptians are going to block any uh well of course uh, they will the, well, the egyptians blocked those cr couple of crossings yeah. uh, they've had them blocked forever because israel forces them to because israel bombs them if they don't mm -hmm. so of course egyptians may have collaborated a bit with uh, with with Gaza, uh, to, mm. their, their tunnels that apparently managed to smuggle some things in and out. But no, there's no way that Egypt is going to be letting millions of Gazans into Egypt. Egypt has a problem yeah. with too many poor people already. That's not going to yeah. happen. 
So, so far, I, I see that Hezbollah is hanging back. I don't think they want a war in Iran, but if pushed to it, they will attack, and the Israelis will be fighting on two fronts. And in 2018, when I was first in Iran uh, with you and some other people, uh, I talked with this uh, well-connected fellow who was an attorney, and he said that he had fought in the Iran-Iraq war. Uh, he will fight for his country no matter what. Uh, he, he, said, he said that he and others uh, will fight, and they don't care if Iran is destroyed completely, but they will not be subjected to control by a foreign power. That's so right. That's how the Palestinians feel They're going to come after the Yazis. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and Egypt is not on great terms with the Zionists right now, in part because they warned them about this. And I think this is the best evidence. You know, this is really the only bit of evidence that constitutes actual evidence that there might have been a LIHOP scenario in which some elements in Israel may have known that this was coming and thought that they could use it to create this pretext for the big war that a certain lunatic faction in Israel might want. Uh, so yeah, Egypt warned them apparently, but we don't really know the details and context of the warning and whether it really was the kind of thing that amounts to a smoking gun or not. But here's another story that just came out today, Mike. I didn't have time to put this on our list, but, uh, the New York times points out that it turns out that Hamas had gotten all of the military secrets about these Israeli bases that were lining the wall around the Gaza Strip. So that's the reason for their success. And Hamas did already announce that they had done this. Like a couple of days ago, uh, Hamas sources told Press TV that they had indeed infiltrated the Israeli military. And so they knew uh, everything they needed to know about those bases. So again, that uh, together with this Egyptian warning, some people might say, well, maybe Israel fed them this uh, information because they wanted them to know it so they could have a successful attack. But again, I don't see how this uh, successful Hamas attack really benefits Israel. So again, I'm I'm still leaning towards the non-false flag side. Yeah, well, well, shame on the Egyptians for telling the Israelis what was coming. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so, uh, so this was the Washington Post article by David Ignatius, who's the unofficial stenographer for the CIA. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Uh, the way it started was really interesting. The vicious Hamas assault of terrorism. I mean, that's that's terrible English. <laughs> The vicious Hamas assault of terrorism on Saturday truly was Israel's 9-11. Not simply the anguished demand for revenge that has followed the attack, but also in the strange blindness that preceded it. The strange blindness that preceded it. And so I think David Ignatius is actually pumping up this false flag hypothesis. You know, that, hey, they were warned, but there was a strange blindness. Uh, they had a strange blindness to the fact that Hamas had infiltrated their military and knew all their secrets. Strange blindness, just like the you know pre nine eleven thing, as he is comparing it to. So, yeah, David Ignatius is is actually trying to hint at that, which is interesting. But again, uh, it doesn't make sense to me that Israeli strategists would want this kind of crushing defeat. Uh, I wrote this pushback, <laughs> arguing against Ignatius. Here I am, you know, debunking this conspiracy theorist from the Washington Post. Uh, and CIA stenographer, he's the conspiracy theorist who says this is a, you know 911 was an inside job and uh, operational Alexa Storm was an inside job just like 911. That's that's the CIA and the Washington Post speaking. And I'm saying no, not so fast. I'm not, I don't think this was a false flag. That's Kevin Barrett, the conspiracy theorist. So the world is turned upside down once again. Well, you know that the Max Boot wrote an article for the Post just in the last day or so saying that Israel's democracy will help them win the war. 
and uh, <laughs> as far as the headline and said no and just turned the page yeah max max boot up his whatever and that was what he deserves uh <laughs> he, 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 uh the, the wonderful democracy will help to win the war give me a break <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh ramin mazahiri who is the press TV, last I heard he was the press TV correspondent for Paris, but he he's roving, I guess. He goes other, other places too. I don't know where he is right now. He's been on my radio show. And he pushed back hard against the false flag and LIHOP claims, mm-hmm. calling these claims absurd. And he points out that there's a huge difference between 9-11 and October 7th. And 9-11 uh, was yeah, a, a bunch, a, an organization that didn't really exist uh, attacking a very powerful country with that faces no threats whatsoever, mm-hmm. and so now the powerful country has this fake threat and gets mobilized to its you know advantage or a faction of its advantage. But here, uh, you know, the, the Zionist occupiers are not nearly as strong as the U.S. They have hostile countries all around their borders, stretching for a thousand miles in any direction, uh, except for the sea, of course, and uh, they're in a very vulnerable position. And allowing a huge military victory like this, where their you know command posts get overrun, their generals get killed and kidnapped, their colonels, even larger numbers, get killed and kidnapped. Uh, this massive defeat gets gets inflicted on them. And what can they do? They can wade into Gaza to go after Hamas, and they're going to get slaughtered. They're going to lose if they go into Gaza on the ground. So, what what's the point of this? I, I kind of agree with Ramin. It just makes no sense. You know, the Izzy's are desperate. They uh, they keep fighting their neighbors because they want security, and all it does is destroy their security because they antagonize everyone around them, like bombing uh, Damascus and Halab uh, in Syria. I mean, uh, they don't want, obviously, want anybody flying airplanes with uh, strategic goods into those uh, areas because they're right next door. So I, I think it's absolutely nuts. But uh, you know the, the Israelis are absolutely nuts. They're not. They're, it's, it's completely crazy. But they're completely crazy. Okay, that's. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to uh, you know to underestimate, uh, or rather overestimate the craziness of, of the Israelis. Uh, Ramin Mazahari points out that the Israelis are now facing the country with the best drones in the world, the most and the best. Iran is the world's drone leader now, and drones are the new military technology that's revolutionizing military force more than anything else. One guy with a little quadricopter drone that he makes at Radio Shack for 500 bucks can take out a tank now. Uh, so, you know, that means that whoever's the drone leader can defeat uh, an, a country that's vastly better armed with more sophisticated and bigger everything. And that's Iran's the ones with the drones, as well as a massive uh, missile force, unstoppable missiles. And of course, then there's Russia in the background with the world's best missiles, the hypersonic missiles, which the U.S. doesn't have. There's been a revolution in military technology. The U.S. has lost. Israel has lost. The anti-Israel forces are winning everywhere in Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, Lebanon, Syria, and Ukraine against Daesh. Their morale is very high. Israel, Israel has an army full of conscripts who've never fought in wartime conditions against the military peer. They're they're scared of eight-year-old boys with rocks. Uh, yeah. You know, so again, starting a big war at this time seems pretty stupid from the Israeli perspective. So I, I think I think Ramin's right here. I have to come down on his side. But you, you you're still clinging to the false flag hypothesis, Mike. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I would say though that Napoleon said it first and said it best. He said that the moral is to the physical as four to one. So if you are ready to fight and have a strong backbone and uh, you will go ahead, uh, like what the North Vietnamese did to the uh, the vaunted American military machine, 
in Southeast Asia because they wanted to win. They had the the strength to do it in their minds. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, so the geopolitical implications of this are are pretty huge too. And I think that you know part of the reason that this war is not going to be the Israeli cakewalk that some people seem to think. You know, I think they're living like you know two or three decades in the past. Is it's because that the whole world has changed now. The West no longer has dominance the way it did. Israel is part of the West and it doesn't have the regional dominance that it has. In the U.S., Israel's backer doesn't have the global dominance that it used to have. Uh, and Pepe Escobar gets into this. Uh, he points out that this Al-Aqsa flood has shattered the mythology around the invincibility of Israel's defense forces and, and intelligence forces. Well, it's an excellent article. I loved it. Pepe is wonderful. I he is, yeah. I hope, hope we can make it back to a conference in Tehran sometime and see mm. him again. I've had my Tehran conferences uh, rudely interrupted by the Zionist-occupied U.S. Treasury Department yeah. uh, with their sanctions on the New Horizon Group. Although I was able to go back, sponsored by uh, the University of Shiraz, maybe we can get back there with uh, university sponsorship in the not-too-distant future. And uh, so here's another geopolitical, the geopolitical article uh, from Lucas Leros. And I think this was published also at South, South Front. Uh, and he points out that though Palestine is military we, militarily weaker, it's on its way to winning the confrontation with Israel by creating a coalition of countries that support its demands. Mm. The pressure on Israel is expanding not only militarily and politically, but also diplomatically and economically. So again, the world is changing and uh, Israel backed by the United States may no longer be completely impregnable. Yeah, people are in, that were pushed into these Abraham Accords on making nice with the Israelis for Israel's benefit, uh, they're beginning to be unhappy about this, and they're uh, wondering why uh, they just don't break it off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've been wondering that myself. Uh, I'll call up the king of Morocco and, and ask him <laughs> after the show. Okay, so support to Ukraine is not indefinite, we just learned this week. So perfect timing here. Uh, suddenly the spotlight is over on occupied Palestine. And it's a good time to announce that you've just lost in Ukraine. So here's here's the historical picture. 2020 hypnotized with the COVID. 2021 hypnotized with the vaccine. 2022 hypnotized with the Ukraine flag. And 2023 hypnotized with the Israeli flag. And you're supposed to forget the previous one each time this happens. So now we forget about Ukraine. And John Kirby of the United States National Security Council says that uh, we that the support for Ukraine is not indefinite, and he admits that uh, you don't want to try to be baking in long-term support when you're at the end of the rope. Now, the end of the rope supposedly applies just to U.S. support for Ukraine, but pretty soon it might also apply to U.S. support for Israel. Well, you congressmen are beginning to question this, and uh, well, maybe, maybe uh, Bibi Netanyahu, the crime, not the prime, but the crime minister of Israel. Uh, would do better if you put on a a sweaty, a dirty uh, olive drab T-shirt and then uh, uh, danced in high heel shoes and in tight leather pants. Well, you know, if you got BB and uh, you know, if you if you got the, these these two weirdos, uh, Zelensky and BB together on a dance on a gay disco dance floor, and they did did their moves, and Zelensky peeled off his stinky, sweaty fatigues or whatever that thing is he wears, his T-shirt or whatever it is. And gives it to BB and BB pulls it on and stuff. Uh, then they both go together and play piano. I suppose that, that would make a, a good uh, a gay uh, video. But I, the fact that these guys are leading countries is kind of worrisome. 
So anyway, here we are in history. What's 2024 going to bring? So we have to forget about the demise of the Zionist entity. Well, whatever it is, we'll report it here on False Flag Weekly News. And meanwhile, the Russians are a big factor in changing the world in such a way that the Israelis can no longer do any damn thing they want to get away with it. And here's the New York Times basically freaking out that Putin isn't sympathizing with Israel, right? After this uh, Operation Alexa Storm, where the whole Western media is putting out nonstop propaganda lies and uh, everybody's doing the crocodile tears for, for Israel, just like they were doing crocodile tears for Zelensky in Ukraine, uh, Putin has no use for any of that. And, and so he, he has no sympathy for Israeli suffering. He slapped down the United States, who he blames uh, correctly for not handling this dispute in an even-handed manner. And uh, the article in the New York Times points out that since this Ukraine uh, war has broken out, uh, the relationship between Moscow and Israel has basically collapsed to the point that the Jewish leaders are afraid of a rise of anti-Semitism inside Russia. So now we have Russia, the leading military power uh, on the non-U.S. occupied or non-Zionist bankster occupied part of the world, is turning against the Zionist entity. And that is huge. Well, doesn't the general staff in the Russian Federation, uh, aren't they coming to see Israel as uh, being a, an enemy of the, the Federation? Well, they've been saying this for years, and Putin has been saying, yeah, yeah, but let's not antagonize the Zionist billionaires, and they have too much power, it's better not to pick a fight with them. And the general staff keeps saying, but they are the enemy, look what they're doing. And now Putin has finally had to admit that the general staff is right. And that's kind of what John Helmer says in this article over at his Dancing with Bears blog, which is a really good source. Helmer is a you know pretty high-level guy who's been in Russia pretty much forever by now, uh, a lot longer uh, than uh, Snowden even. Uh, considerably longer than Snowden. And anyway, he's got a great analysis here pointing out the Israelis have burned their bridges to Putin and uh, and Russia is now on the side of Israel's enemies. Well, let's be happy that Uncle Vlad has seen the light. All right. Shout out to Uncle Vlad. <laughs> okay. And speaking of uh, shout outs to Uncle Vlad, how about revenge for Nord Stream? Uh, this Baltic Sea gas pipeline here. And uh, where's the map? There it is uh, from... Uh, in Inku to Paldiski, right? You know, Estonia to Finland just got uh, apparently blown up. Something happened to it, uh, sort of like what happened in Nord Street. And no, the Russians wouldn't ever, you know, give Uncle Sam a taste of his own medicine, would uh, they? No, no, no. It was the Ukrainians that did it, or maybe the Poles, or or maybe it was the Chinese or the people at the South Pole. I think it was that Gilligan's Island sailboat that you know took a <laughs> two-hour tour and got lost. The ones, yeah, they're the ones that blew up Nord Stream, so maybe they did this one too. So uh, NATO, this is the latest. NATO is vows to respond. If, if blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right. Well, okay. So NATO, yeah, you, you guys can blow up the Russian-German pipeline, but nobody <laughs> can blow up your pipeline. I see. Okay. Different rules for different folks. Figures. Talk about arrogance. Okay. And finally, you know, speaking of arrogance, our Zio occupied Jew America section. Okay. That, I know that sounds pretty bad, but it's getting pretty bad in the United States. Look at Blinken. Everywhere Blinken goes, this he didn't just start now after Operation uh, Alexa Storm. He's been doing this for years. I come before you not as the United States Secretary of State, but as a Jew. <laughs> My grandfather, Maurice, led pogroms in Russia. Um, but what's that Steve Miller uh, Joker song about? Some people call me Maurice, uh, Maurice who fled the pogroms. My grandfather, Samuel Pisser, survived concentration camps. 
I understand on a personal level the harrowing echoes of Ham that Hamas's massacres carry for Israeli Jews and Jews everywhere. Wah, 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 Holocaust, Holocaust, Holocaust. This is our Secretary of State, Americans. Everywhere he goes, he whines and cries about the Big H Holocaust from oh, yeah. almost well, a century the thing ago. The it is is that in the butt nugget Biden's so-called administration, he has 47 Jews in high-level positions, ranging from the Secretary of State, stinking Blinken, down to the deputy director of the CIA, to assorted uh, uh, cabinet heads, to uh, assorted ambassadors, to other high-level positions in the government. And, uh, you know, how do they get there? They're true percent of the American population. Well, I understand that since Biden's probably going to have to step down or maybe like stumble down or collapse and, and not run in 2024, they're going to need somebody who can, you know, both appeal to the billionaire oligarchs, but also can look like some kind of minority or female, right? So I think what they're going to do is they're going to have DNA experts, you know, the same people that can like take a, a woolly mammoth a bit of DNA and create a whole mammoth. They're going to get some of Anne Frank's DNA and recreate Anne Frank and run her for president. <laughs> And then Blinken can serve in the kind of administration that he deserves and needs and obviously desires. Um, okay, and, and speaking of the 2024 presidential race, uh, Trump is saying bad things about Netanyahu and the liberal media is, is slapping Trump around. Oh, Trump, you're not getting down on your knees and kissing up to Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, and, and, that, uh, and of course, what Trump is saying is that, hey, Bibi and I had a deal. We were both going to to share equally the credit and the blame for killing Iranian General Soleimani. But then, the, you know, two minutes before, Bibi backed down and I had to do it myself. And now everywhere I go, I have to watch out for Iranian drones. That Bibi is a real creep. And frankly, yes, he is a creep, but you are too, Trump. Well, Trump will still skin uh, needs therapy, I think. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although still, I, I kind of like having him as a wild card. I mean, I, I would almost just vote for him in the same way that I would like, you know, throw a bomb at Washington, D.C. It's like, uh, you know, he's a destabilizing factor. Uh, <laughs> and here he's, you know, he's the thing about Trump is he may be a, a lunatic and in some ways a pathological liar and, and narcissistic egoist. But he still tells more truth in, in three tweets than most politicians do in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Along with a lot as many lies as well. So anyway, uh, and finally, the last in the Zio Occupied Jew America section is that Hamas has got apparently some of its weapons out of Afghanistan. Like who would ever think that if the U.S. left weapons in Afghanistan for the Taliban, that they might sell it to their friends around the world? Well, who is the guy or the country behind uh, buying these weapons and shipping them to Hamas? That's what I'd like to know. Well, it's a mystery, but if we solve it, we will definitely report it here on False Flag Weekly News. And we're also going to report the final story of the week, which is the Nazi, Nazi, Nazi story. Hike, hike. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. It's a football call, but not anymore. The Ohio, I think high school, wasn't it? Football coach who yeah. used that as a, a blitz call. Like Nazi, Nazi means it's, you know, blitz. Uh Okay, it <laughs> makes sense to me, but it doesn't make sense to the ADL. The ADL just destroyed the guy's career because he used the wrong wording on the football field, which just goes to show that we are being protected from the hate mongers and the conspiracy theorists and all of the bad crime thinking people out there who refuse to go along with the official story of everything. And uh, what can you say? There you are. <laughs> hey, hey. What if what would have happened if he had said Jew, 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 or ADL, ADL, ADL? <laughs> yeah, Jew, Jew, Jew. 
I don't know if you can get away with that on the football field anymore, but uh, <laughs> if, if you can, we will report it on next week's False Flag Weekly News, where you can go for all of the football scores, as well as the scores in the ongoing game over in Occupied Palestine, the ongoing game over in Ukraine, the great game for control of the world, uh, the geopolitical great game, and all other games uh, we report honestly here, unlike most other places. So, hey, thank you, uh, J. Michael Springman. I always enjoyed, I enjoyed it. With I loved it. Okay, and we'll, we'll be back uh, when, when we can. So... Uh, until until next week, have a great week. Masalaba. <laughs>